Long ago in ancient Mesopotamia, a civilization laid the foundations for Christianity, but in ways one might not expect. Hosts Denise and Buddy Wood go on a spiritual and thought-provoking journey, uncovering and exploring some of Christianity's hidden truths. Join us as we unveil and explore the mystery that is the remnants of Ur. Welcome to Remnants of Ur. My name is Denise Wood. And my name is Buddy Wood. And last episode, we covered Matthew chapter 6, verses 19 through 34. We talked about having faith in God to provide our needs as we seek first the kingdom of God. And I shared a little bit about my cross-carrying experience and how God met my needs. And we also talked about the teachings of Christ regarding money and the love of material wealth and the worship of money over seeking God and wanting to be in God's presence and following the path that God has for you, being in the center of God's will, walking with the Most High God. Some people would rather just have a nice home, thank you. But that's the thing. If you're, if you're called to the Most High God, there's a price to pay for that. And this whole thing about prosperity teaching, that's not the way it works. Seek ye first the kingdom of heaven. That's the way it works. That's right. And if you're more focused on the things you'll get after you're seeking, then you're really not seeking the kingdom of heaven. That's right. You're not seeking it at all. You've not got to be able to live without it. And feel the joy of God and say, this is where it's at. Exactly. Yeah, you'd rather have the glory of God thundering in your soul. In the middle of the desert, That's <laughs> with, right. with nothing more than a hat on your head <laughs> and clothes on your feet. There we are. And so, this is episode 24 entitled Sermon on the Mount, part five. And this will conclude our study on Matthew chapters five through seven. In Matthew 7, verse 1, Jesus is still talking to his disciples, and once again, he is addressing the way that they interact with one another. As we talked before, Christ strongly emphasized about how very important it is that the disciples live in peace with their brothers, the brothers being the people who do the will of the Father. So in verse 1 of Matthew 7, the Lord addresses the big issue of judging each other. Jesus instructed his disciples not to judge one another, and he lets them know by not judging, it will prevent them from being judged. The word judge in the Hebrew is interpreted as a ruler. Christ is saying, do not set yourself up above your brother as a ruler over him, because when you are busy noticing his little fault, you are not dealing with your own huge problem that needs to be addressed. So here we have a fellow disciple doing the will of God and listening to God's voice that is leading him or her to make adjustments to their own behavior as needed to improve their spiritual walk with God. Christ lets us know that it is not necessary for another disciple to appoint himself as a judge to oversee the process. This creates a hypocritical situation because as the self-appointed judge is observing the problems of his brother, he is blind to his own issues Thus, he becomes a hypocrite. Remember how I said in our first episode that spirituality is an individual experience with God. It is completely opposite 
of religion that relies upon a human to oversee or judge another's progress. Now, in verse 5, Christ goes on to say that if a disciple has gotten rid of the huge beam that is in his own eye and his brother needs help getting rid of his problem, then it is a good thing to help your brother pull the splinter out of his eye. This is in comparison to verse 6, which says, Do not give that which is holy to the dogs, or cast your pearl before swine. Those animals are being used as an analogy for the individuals who are not your brothers. They are people that you cannot help change their hardened hearts, no matter what you say or what you do. With those people, you don't judge them, but rather discern who they are and withhold your spiritual gems from them, because if you give them your pearls, they will trample them underfoot, and then they'll turn and trample you next. In verse 7, Christ says to ask, and it will be given. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened unto you. This is pertaining to seeking spiritual substance from God your Father, not material substance. Jesus continues, For everyone that asks, receives. To him that seeks, finds. And to him that knocks, it is opened. Or what man of you, if a son asked for bread, would you give him a stone? Or if he asked a fish, would you give him a serpent? On a side note, it was this scripture that comforted me when I first started spiritually hearing the voice of God, because God's voice was significantly different than the Christian message that I had been taught, and I was leery about being deceived. As I have mentioned before, that I was raised with the influences of a strict Pentecostal upbringing, and I remembered hearing as a child so many times my mom or grandmother expressing the fear of being deceived by the devil. It was actually quite frightening. It was ingrained in them, this strong fear, and it had been passed on to me as well. So here I was hearing from God, and it was contrary to the doctrine of the Christian church. And I was fearful at times because of the dichotomy, but God reassured me that his sheep know his voice. And he led me to this passage in the Bible. It was verses 9 and 10, and it is a reassurance to a disciple from Christ that when seeking spiritual substance from God the Father, a good father would not give his child something evil like a stone or a serpent when they are asking for bread or a fish. It was those two verses that helped me to build trust in God, my Father, and overcome my fear of being deceived by the devil. Now, in verse 11, Christ further reinforced the concept of God as a good Father when he has the disciples relate their own feelings of the strong desire to give their children good gifts, and says that how much more does your heavenly Father desire to give good things to them that ask him? So verses 7 through 11 exemplify the building of a loving and trusting relationship between the Father and one of his children. Verse 12 makes it complete when Jesus says, Therefore, however you want to be treated— Treat others that way, for this is the law and the prophets. I believe that if every person who is called to be a disciple only focused on chapter 7, verses 7 through 12, 
and put away all other distractions, that God would develop them into a strong, spiritual person in the fashion of Christ. These verses show a person learning how to trust and love their Father God with all their heart, soul, and mind, and then they are treating others the way they want to be treated. It fulfills all the laws and all the prophets. You know, that that saying, they call it the golden rule, treating the others the way you want to be treated. And it's, so it, it's interesting because, you know, the golden rule, even my friend who oh, absolutely wants nothing, to, he's Jewish and want, doesn't want to hear about Christ, don't bring Christ up around him. They don't want to hear it, they think it's just a myth and stay away from me with that stuff. But yet, and then in the next, in his next breath, he says, well, you know, I just believe in the golden rule. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so, well, yeah, well, that's the words of Christ, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny. Yeah. So, chapters 7, verses 7 through 12, I believe God showed me this is the mustard seed of the kingdom of God. It is the smallest of seeds, but it will grow into one of the largest herbs on the planet. It's that simple. Yeah to love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and love your neighbor like you love yourself. Yeah. That's the mustard seed. That's it. And chapter 7, 7 through 12, that is the focus of it right there. Yeah. In verses 13 and 14, Christ says, To enter in the straight gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leads to destruction, and many there be that go that way. But straight is the gate, and narrow the way which leads to life, and few there be that find it. In verse 15, the Lord clarifies that he is talking about religion as the broad destructive path versus the narrow spiritual path that Christ is leading his disciples into. This is evident when Jesus warns them and says to beware of false prophets in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravening wolves. He delineates the two entities later in the book of Matthew when he tells his disciples, Behold, I send you out as sheep among wolves. He is talking about the religious leaders, and this was eventually played out when the wolves brutally murdered the Prince of Peace, the Lamb of God. The next few verses, 16 through 19, can only be discerned in a spiritual sense. Christ is letting the disciples know that the way to tell if a prophet is good or evil is to look at their fruits. Jesus says you don't gather grapes from a thorn bush or figs from thistles. Every good tree brings forth good fruit, and a corrupt tree brings forth evil fruit. A good tree cannot bring forth evil fruit, neither can a corrupt tree bring forth good fruit. Jesus concludes that by their fruits, you will know them. And before he concludes, Jesus lets us know who these people are when he says that every tree that brings forth not good fruit will be hewn down and cast into the fire. Backing up in Matthew chapter 3, John the Baptist is talking to the religious leaders, and he admonishes them to bring forth good fruits of repentance. And he prophesies that the trees that bring forth not good fruit will be hewn down and cast into the fire. Now, verse 21 is intense, and it is a direct word for Christians who think that they are doing the works of God. 
Jesus said that not everyone to me on that day who says, Lord, Lord, will enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that does the will of my Father, which is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name and in your name cast out devils and in your name done many wonderful works? And I will profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you that work iniquity. And that's actually a really profound statement. It really is. And, you know, I mean, I don't want to be in that number. No. You know, uh, but it's super profound and... and, and uh, we can only pray and hope that the to, to people who are out there preaching, preaching the gospel, will really take a step back and look at the words of Christ and start teaching the words of Christ and not the, the words of Paul. And if they seek God with the whole heart, they'll come to understand that, you know what, that they'll lead us in the, God will lead them in the same direction He's led us. That's right. In verses 24 through 27, Christ concludes his Sermon on the Mount by saying, Therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken him to a wise man that built his house upon a rock. And when the rains descended and the floods came, the winds blew and beat upon the house. It did not fall because it was founded upon a rock. And everyone that hears these sayings of mine and doesn't do them is like a foolish man which built his house upon sand. And when the rains descended and the floods came and the winds blew and beat upon the house, it fell, and great was the fall of it. In Luke's account of the Sermon on the Mount, it is recorded that Jesus said to the disciples, Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not the things that I say? In the book of John, as Jesus was spending his last hours with his disciples, he said, If you love me, Keep my commandments. Amen. Amen. That's all for this episode. Thanks for joining us. If you're interested, our book, Remnants of Ur, is available on Amazon. If you have any questions or comments, our email is remnantsover at gmail.com. <laughs>